Well, good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day. Now, on Mother's Day at Essex Lance Church, we celebrate all women, and so to all of the women, a good morning, happy Mother's Day, and specifically to our moms, a happy Mother's Day to you. As you can see already, I'm not there in person, and with that, I've got good news and bad news. Now, the good news is for you, bad news is for me. The good news is that whenever I'm not there in person, I work very hard and we work very hard to make sure that we've got quality speakers, quality communicators, people that will share the word of God with power, uh, with transparency in a life transforming way. And the good news is we have just such a speaker today with our guest speaker, Lisa Miner, and I'll tell you more about her in just a moment, but we're so glad to have uh, Lisa here. The bad news is is for me, and the bad news is that I'm not there to hear her in person and uh, to be with you all because Lisa Miner has some history with the Slocums. Diane and I uh, knew Lisa many, many years ago. In fact, uh, when we went to our first church in Lima, Ohio, I was 22, Diane was 20 years old, and uh, Lisa and her family were in the church. Now, Lisa was a pretty young little girl at that point. Uh, she wasn't in our youth group. Uh, her older brother and sister were in our youth group. And Lisa, at that time when we were there, uh, to be honest, she was just that, you know, little bratty little sister that always bugged her, you know, older brother and sister. But I'm glad to announce that she's not that anymore, uh, that she is not that little bratty girl. She's grown up to be an incredible communicator, loves Jesus. And um, we are so glad to have her here and to be a part of our church for the weekend. Uh, you know, I had not been in touch with Lisa uh, or her family for a number of years, and I was at commencement uh, commencement ceremony for Nyack College, Alliance University, a number of years ago. Lisa came up, introduced herself, said hello, and since that point kind of followed some of the things that she was doing, followed her ministry, and we are so glad that she can be here on this weekend. She spent yesterday morning with women and here with us today, and you will not be disappointed. And so, Lisa, we are so glad you're here. Just before you come up, I need to say one thing to Lisa, and but I want all of you to hear this as well. Lisa, I want to thank you for something that... In reality, you had no power over and had nothing to do with it. But I want to thank you for your family. I want to thank you for the impact that they have had uh, in our lives, the Slocum's life. So when Lisa was little in the church, uh, her dad was named Larry, Larry Sheets. And the Sheets family were an integral part of the church in Lima. And your dad, Larry, was the head elder. I came into the church and he was the head elder uh, and uh, he walked beside me again. I'm 22 years old. He walked beside me in so many ways. He exuded a love for God. He exuded a love for the church. Uh, and yet he, he loved Jesus, yet he was fun. He was classy, carried himself well. Uh, he was the kind of guy that quite honestly, you just want to be him. Uh, he would stop into the office, maybe not every day, but uh, frequently, a couple times a week, he would stop in his office before he was off on his sales call. He was a major representative, a sales representative for a uh, pretty high-end furniture company. I remember he walked in, always looked so sharp in his suits, always had a suit on, suit and tie, and I, I don't think I ever knew him without having a cup of coffee in his hand. But he would stop in the office on, in, the, in the morning. He'd say, hello, pray with us, pray with me. Um, and we'd spend time together. And I am just so thankful uh, for the influence and the impact of your dad specifically 
in my life. And so I say thank you, though I know you had nothing to do with that. But I want you to know that your dad had impact in the Slocums, and I know that your dad has had impact. Mom and dad have had impact in your lives as well. You have a great godly heritage, and I'm happy I'm happy for that, for you and your family. You continue that heritage, and now we reap part of the benefit of your walk with God as you come and share God's word with us today. So Lisa, I'm so glad that you're here. Come and share with power and be completely at ease. Enjoy this moment. You'll find a very, a very friendly, receptive group here, and I'll ask our church family to uh, join in and welcoming Elisa Minor. Lisa, come and share God's word with us. I'm going to get it right this hour. Ushers, would you come forward, please? They were gracious enough to realize that I forgot that first hour, didn't know that was on my tasks of lists to do. So um, they're going to pass the baskets. I'm not really sure, in all honesty, if I should focus on Pastor Scott's beautiful words of, of just influence over my daddy or the fact that he called me a brat. <laughs> I'm pretty much thinking you all know Pastor Scott pretty well. And when I saw him at that commencement, I was wondering if he was going to say something, but instead he just kind of distorted his face. But he looked at me when I introduced myself And he had that same look on his face. And I thought, what is he thinking? And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm sorry. All I can hear is brat. (laughs) And I was like, praise Jesus. By the blood of the lamb, I have been redeemed. (laughs) But how many fifth graders aren't a little bit right there on the edge of being the baby of the family in which I was? Probably enough said right there. Yes. So it's very grateful to be in Vermont with you, and what a huge privilege. And this is the second time I've had the chance to travel here, and both times I've not gotten to see Pastor Scott and Diane. Maybe sometime they will choose to stick around (laughs) when I get to come. But believe me, he gave me full permission. Now, I know I need to stay on this rug, but he told me to be at ease and have a good time. So here we go. But my husband and I had a wonderful time. We flew in on Friday. We went to Church Street. We sat out on the tables outside. The temperatures, the weather, stunning and beautiful. We just breathed it all in. We hadn't hit our um, step count, so we went to the waterfront, and we walked down there, and just absolutely gorgeous. And then one kind lady, Pam, yesterday at the women's event, she gave us like a piece of paper, six pages, stapled together, front and back. And she said, here, this is an itinerary you could use for the afternoon. So we got in that fancy Dodge Charger that the rental company yet let us have and trusted us with that. Not going to say how many times my husband has just like kind of peeled out in it because it's fun. And we just took off and we hit the road and we tried a cider donut. That, mm, let's just have a moment of silence for the cider donut. But I haven't even told you the best yet. But he did look at me when he read through the itinerary. He goes, honey, we cannot stop and eat our way along. And I was like, really? I was really hoping we could. So we had to pick and choose. So next we went to the chocolate shop and we picked a couple good things and the fudge is packed away for the trip home. And then just as we were heading out and heading back, we found this strange looking trailer with some picnic tables that called themselves the Burger Barn. And we stayed and we, can we have applause for the Burger Barn? (laughs) 
That was some French, I'm not sure how long I would sit and wait for those French fries. I almost didn't even want to care about the burger because the fries were so crispy and so perfect. So then we had dinner last night with um, a beautiful couple and we went to a place called American Flatbread, which apparently you call pizza but give it the fancy name of flatbread. And so that was super special too. And just our time here has been so beautiful. But as Pastor Scott said, um, just the, the legacy that I have been given through the influence of my parents and just remembering. Now to me, Pastor Scott and Diane were Ken and Barbie. Can you see that at 22 and 20? And in the fifth grade, that's what we were pretty much looking at, Ken and Barbie. So a beautiful, beautiful time to be here, to be with you, and to be able to share a little bit of what God has laid on my heart. Influence. Today is Mother's Day, so we are welcoming the mothers. It's a day to celebrate and remember the moms who have influenced our lives. So today I celebrate my mom, who's gone to be home with the Lord, 10 years now that she's been gone. And she was a woman of strength, and I celebrate that. Today I celebrate a woman who was like a mom to me, but never actually had children of her own, and her name was Dixie. And God brought her along into my life for her to put her hand on the small of my back and help me move forward in my uniqueness and what God was asking me to do, taking me out of an elementary classroom and putting me as a teacher of his word. And she stayed with me every step of the way, and she has influenced my life just like a mom would. And then I celebrate today my daughter, my daughter Rachel, who, with great delight, has a truck loaded and is moving from Armonk, New York, to Beaver Creek, Ohio, where we currently live. And her husband is starting a new position at a local church there. So happy Mother's Day to me. She's coming closer to me. But I celebrate her because she longs to be a mom but is waiting patiently on God to bring life to her womb. She is a woman of resiliency. Today we celebrate and remember the women who have influenced our lives. But for the next few moments, I want us women to look at ourselves and I want us to think about ourselves as women of influence. Now, I realize there's men here, so you just snuggle a little closer next to that woman of influence who's sitting next to you, and then you tuck some of this truth away too, because the truth is God's word is for all of us. But because today is Mother's Day, I want to specifically speak to the women, the young and the mature, the ones who are still figuring out who they are and the ones who are still figuring out who they are. As a woman of influence, when we think about the word influence, we think about the fact that it, you have the power to produce an effect without any apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command. You have, as a woman of influence, that power. It's simply in word and indeed, the way that you live your life, that you're going to influence others positively or negatively. But we want to focus on the power of the positive this morning. Ladies, what would you say is one of your unique characteristics? Not what somebody else would say about you, but what would you say is one of your unique characteristics? Now think of unique. Unique as being the only kind, only one of its kind, unlike any others. It's exclusive, it's exceptional, and it's distinctive. 
What would you say is one of your unique characteristics? I'm going to boldly claim mine as being loud. I've been given the gift of gab, my mother used to say, and I'm very loud in the way that I present my words, whether I have a microphone on or not. And I'm learning to live fully in the loudness. Ladies, we are unique. Would you say that with me? Would you say, I am unique? Ladies, say that with me. I Okay, I let the earlier service get by with something like that, but you have been up, you've had a couple cup of coffee, and you are ready to go. So let us please try it one more time. I am The world actually kind of makes that seem like a negative thing, but the way that God crafted you and created you, it is a beautiful thing. I remember actually telling my daughter, she has two crowns in her hair, and she has a cowlick right here. And as she was growing up and her hair would stick straight up on her cra- here, and then her cowlick, she could never have those beautiful straight bangs that all the girls wanted. And I remember telling her, oh, sweetheart, God created you beautifully just the way you are. And she'd complain about it and I'd be like, but it's special because in the hospital, they asked me what I would wish for so that your life would be miserable. And I was like, give her two crowns and a cowlick right there. And then she'd roll her eyes at me and she'd be like, oh, mom. And I'm like, well, that's how ridiculous you sound. You were beautifully in craft and made and created by God. But at times we struggle with who we are. At times we ask, who am I? with a question mark. And then at other times, we say, who I am, with a period. Do you hear the difference? One is a question, and the other is a statement, and all I did was switch two words. Who am I, and who I am? It's a matter of changing two words around. Who am I means typically that you are being defined and directed by people and circumstances in this world. You're a wanderer. You're a drifter. You easily get off track because you're not sure who you are. And the other, who I am, almost like when I asked you to say, I am unique, who I am is a statement, and it's defined and it's directed and fixed on God as your creator and your maker. You are on a journey, you are headed somewhere, because you know that he has purposed your days and planned them out. One is a question and the other is a statement. Knowing who you are allows you to settle into who you are as God has uniquely made you so that you will grow who you are as a woman of influence. So women, we have the power to produce an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command, simply by the way that we live as a woman of influence. How do we live fully unique in God's story as women of influence? We know our uniqueness, we settle into our uniqueness, and then we grow our uniqueness 
this one-of-a-kind in which God created. First, to know your God-given uniqueness is to recognize. You need to see it, and you need to recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. Listen to what it says about us. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day, how many days? Every day was recorded in your book every day of my life. And every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Now, oftentimes, I will even read this scripture, and I shared this with the women yesterday. I will read this to remember whose I am, who I belong to. But many times in our society, we're a very me-centric society, and we miss and we lose and we've lost the awe of the other focus in this scripture. So if I may read it again, listen to it with the emphasis on God. You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous. How well I know it. You, God, watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you, God, saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious, God, are your thoughts about me. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, God, God, you are still with me. Don't miss the awe of reading those passages, that, those verses, and seeing the power of God that went into creating you uniquely just as you are. My mom used to say all the time that God does not make mistakes. He knew exactly what he was doing when he knit you together and formed you, and breathed life into you. It's not all about how wonderfully beautiful we are, but it truly is about how amazing he is. To live fully unique in God's story is recognizing who we are in Jesus Christ. And knowing this uniqueness is a first step forward, living as a woman under the influence of Jesus Christ. So the question is, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your personal savior? Is he the Lord of your life? And do you know 
that God is writing about you in Psalm 139. Now, there was a, a little tune that we would say in the car as we would travel from Lima, Ohio to Bluffton, Indiana and Decatur, Indiana to my grandparents' house. And since I was the baby of three, I got to sit on the hump in the middle of the back seat every single time. And we would sing the cute little tune, over the river and through the woods, do you know it? Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we'd go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh through the white and drifting. Yeah, I know you people in Vermont know snow, don't you? Yeah, it's probably just melted. But we would sing that, and then somewhere along the ride, and it was only about 56 minutes long, somewhere along the ride, mom would turn around with her middle school finger. Anybody have those middle school teachers that use that finger to point at you, to tell you to wake up, to remind you what you should do? And she would start at the top and work her way down, so she'd look at Rick. And she'd say, Rick, if your father wrecks this car and runs off the road and you die today, do you know you're going to heaven? And Rick, being the oldest son, the only son, the favorite son, would eagerly say, yes, mom. And then she'd look right past me and she'd say, Laura, if your dad runs his car off the road today and you die, would you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? And Laura, being the middle child and the pleaser, would be like, yes, mom. Now guess who comes next? The ornery one, the baby. And she'd look at me and say the exact same words, Lisa, if your father runs his car off the road and you die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Now, to be honest with you, I really felt like we had bigger issues than whether or not I was going to heaven. Because I'm like, why is my dad driving the car if we're so concerned he's gonna run off the road? <laughs> But I never said that. I just looked at her with sweet eyes and I said, yes, mom. But you know, truly in my heart, I did not know for sure. I just felt like if Rick did and Laura did and mom and dad did, then I must too. And I had my moment sometime later when I was at an event with my brother and my sister and the speaker asked, do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? And I finally admitted that I did not. I had not made the personal commitment to know the one who had created me through Jesus Christ, his son. And then the joy and pleasure that I had of going home that night and tapping mom on the shoulder while she was sleeping to say, mom, I know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will be in heaven with you. And she's half asleep, but yet wide awake enough to say, I thought you already knew. <laughs> and in my bold, redeemed new life, I said I lied, but I've been forgiven. <laughs> and she says, we'll talk about it in the morning. <laughs> so do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt who Jesus is in your life as the Son of God and then truly accepting and receiving and knowing your uniqueness and living fully in it. Next is to settle into that God-given uniqueness, and that's to receive. So it's just one thing to recognize, but what if you recognize and never receive how he made you? 
and then living fully in that and settling into it. Paul says in Romans 12, he's talking to the church as a whole, but the church as a whole here, even at Essex, you all have to work together with the gifts that you've been given and the uniqueness of who you are as you influence the lost in Vermont. Then Paul says in this way, the church, like various parts of the human body, each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of the body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be. Let us settle into without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to others or trying to be something that we're not. Three ways I want to suggest that you can settle into who you are. And when I say settle in, I often think of a new home. You set up a new home and you settle in. You find your favorite spots where you're going to have coffee in the morning, where you're going to read the newspaper, where the book bags are going to go and where the shoes are going to line up. You settle in and you live there. So as you settle into who you are, your God-given uniqueness, you want to live in this uniqueness through the opportunities that are given to you by God. And I often think of Esther That unique opportunity that she had and Mordecai spoke those words to her as she questioned whether or not she wanted to do what needed to be done to save the people, to save her people. And Mordecai says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And then she needed to step forward in faith. So live who you are through your opportunities, and then live through you are, who you are through your imperfections. Probably don't need to define imperfections, but it means you're not perfect. Now, I know some have just had their world shattered. But we need to live, not, not grumble about the perfections, but live fully in the perfections because of who we are. And then we see Christ living and coming through us through our perfections. Moses is a perfect example. He said, Lord, I'm not good with words. He said, I've never been and I'm still not. And he said, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled up. And God simply says to him, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. As though to say, live, Moses, in your uniqueness in what I'm asking and through this opportunity and the imperfections in which you feel you have. And then finally, live who you are through a sense of readiness. As you're settling into your God-given uniqueness through the power of Christ within you, live who you are through a sense of readiness, meaning that you're prepared for an experience. You wake up in the morning, you put your feet on the ground, and you brew that coffee, and you're like, Lord, I am ready as a woman of influence for what you will bring to me today. And I often think of Mary, that a sense of readiness, 
And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And she was ready to receive the Son of God. Powerful. Through opportunities he brings to you, through imperfections within you, and then through a readiness, a sense of readiness about you, intentionally live who you are as women of influence. Paul says in Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us so long ago. Living fully unique in God's story is settling into who you are in Christ. Not who you are because of what you can do, but who you are because what Christ can do within you and through you. Settling into your uniqueness is a step forward as a woman of influence of Christ. So the question I have for you this morning is, do you receive? Do you recognize, do you receive who you are in him so that you can live out your God-given uniqueness in this story called life, which is really his story. And finally, grow your God-given uniqueness. Develop who you are in him. And this is the final one. This is the one that we will be doing until Christ calls us home. It's what my daddy did all the way until he took his last breath. He was developing his God-given uniqueness of encouragement, as you heard Pastor Scott testify to. Mom and her middle, to her middle school students, which unfortunately, having a mom as a middle school teacher, whether you need it or not, she usually brings home the lessons or the frustrations of her day, and she tries to correct you for what she couldn't correct in the classroom. <laughs> and that's usually what we would get at the dinner table. And this phrase she said over and over, and I remember hearing it so many times, is it not odd the things that you can remember so many years later? I mean, let's just be bold on the camera and say, I'm 52 years old and I can still remember my mother saying this like it was yesterday. It was a cute phrase and I'm going to say it once and then I'm going to say it again and you can join me because it's kind of catchy. But we're talking about living fully and growing our God-given uniqueness, meaning developing it. And mom would say, good, better, best. Never let it rest. Until your good is better and your better is... Oh, that was good. So try saying it with me now and kind of get a little bit of a chant going with it because you'll take it with you as you leave and at lunch you'll be like that crazy speaker that said that good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. She tried to say it with a smile, but she was really saying, so go clean your room and be the best, Lisa. You watch those mothers, they always have a fun little way of trying to get done what needs to be done in the home. But I remember it. And so I would often think after I chanted that, don't stay where you are today, Lisa, tomorrow. Continually move forward in your faith and who God created you to be as a woman of influence. Paul says in Colossians, let every detail in your life Every detail, 
Now, I was taught never to use the words never, always, every. Absolute words, because nothing is always or ever or never. But Paul says, let every detail in your lives, your words, your actions, whatever, let it be done in the name of the master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Work from your heart for your real master, God Almighty. And he says again in Ephesians 1, 4, you find these themes thread throughout the Bible, Scripture interpreting Scripture, supporting the truths of what is said in all 66 books. He says in Ephesians, long before he, God, laid down earth's foundations, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Each of us, John Wesley says, each one of us was meant to be an original, a one of a kind, unique in every way. But many of us die merely a copy. Anyone who discovers who God made him or her to be would never want to be anyone else. Mm. To fully live in God's story is to grow who you are because of Jesus Christ in you. Growing your uniqueness as a woman of influence of Christ is the final step forward, and it's the one that we will continue to take until we are in his presence developing the uniqueness of who we are for kingdom impact. So question, are you developing who you are while surrounding yourself by those who appreciate and value your uniqueness? And another question is, are you appreciating and valuing the uniqueness of those around you? and then encouraging them to continue to develop it. We live fully unique in God's story as women of influence by knowing our uniqueness, by settling into it and living there, and then by growing it, developing who we are in Christ for God's glory as we live out his story. We live fully unique in God's story. So I want you to think about this today, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will impress it upon your heart, that you will breathe who I am rather than who am I. Make it a statement. I would even challenge you to make it an exclamation. Who you are. Ladies, would you say it with me one more time? I am unique. Say it with me. I am unique. Remember at the very beginning where I said my unique trait was loud? It's not like I didn't know that. I was pretty sure that I was louder than most of the other kids, and I was pretty sure I had more words than the average person needed to use. But... We were in the elevator, and we were headed up that day I picked my daughter up from preschool. She's 27 now, 
You see how these memories impact you? And the little gentleman standing next to me, next to his mom, turned up and looked at me. And he said, Rachel's mom, you're loud. (laughs) So I have learned. I continue learning to know my God-given uniqueness. And I am learning to settle into it and live in that loudness. And I am learning to grow it and develop it for the kingdom of God so that others will know who Jesus Christ is and the difference that he can make in your life. Women of influence, I pray that you do the exact same. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you abundantly for every seat that is taken. And I rejoiced with the ones who came all the way to the front. Lord God, I pray that they came in this Mother's Day not really sure what to expect. Father, some of them may not even attend here, but are here because their mother told them to come. But Father, this could be the day that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and their life was created intentionally and they are not a mistake. So Father God, I pray that you stir in the hearts and that they not leave until they talk to somebody. Or they not close their eyes at the end of this day until they talk to their loved ones about who you are so they know confidently, Father, who they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms and to all those whose lives have been influenced by a mom. Have a blessed day.